Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. We are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood, and joining me this evening is the one, the only Will Greenwood. How are you, Will? I am great. I'm, it is a great night to talk some fantasy football. I'm not seeing Trey Barrett. Uh, you know, there's, he's not on my screen. Is he hiding? Um, like, is he on your couch right now? Is, did he, is he, you know, passed out from all the uh, excitement of the, his, his uh, fantasy championship victories that he won? Or what's going on? Where is yeah, he? Yeah, he's out there snoring. He has like three or four belts on. I don't even think one of them belongs to him. He's like, I'm the fantasy champion. He keeps mumbling in his sleep. Because uh, I know he won a couple, but I definitely know he had some hard defeats. So he went, he went ahead and got himself some cheap bourbon instead of expensive bourbon like in the past. And now, and now he's just <laughs> done for the night. Yeah, we're without, we're without uh, one of the Joes. But that's okay. We're going to persevere and, and carry on. And we are going to talk um, a little bit about what happened week 16. It probably was your uh, fantasy championship. And uh, we're going to talk about our highs and lows. We're going to get into our uh, average Joe moment of the week. And, of course, this week, again, we're going to have to call it the Todd Gurley moment of the week because that man was a monster. Um, I, I think there are – you've probably seen a lot of things on Twitter where he basically has had, you know, had the best week 15 and 16 ever for, for a dynasty uh, football player. Um, but not redraft? Uh, what, what's that? But not redraft, just dynasty. <laughs> no, no, like in, like in general. Like, uh, oh, oh, yes, like in fantasy football. Yeah, redraft, dynasty, whatever. I mean, his week 15 and 16 was just incredible. And, and you've seen it, like m- most championships, um, or a lot of them have, have Todd Gurley on their roster. Um, and I, and I, I got Gurley this weekend. I'll talk about that when I get into the lows. But, Will, what was your Todd Gurley uh, moment of the week? Uh, so this is completely related to fantasy football, uh, which I try to make it a little bit that way. But one was, I don't know if you guys have read it out there, if you have, Ryan, or looked it up, and uh, you know, I was going to pull up like, the, the, the transcript from it, but uh, did you read anything about the Bahamas Bowl? It was December 22nd, I believe, in the Bahamas, and some guy wrote, it actually got posted on Reddit, his kind of like uh, recount, or his, uh, his, you know, his experience there, and did, did, you, did you know anything about this? I don't. I know. I, I missed the Bahamas Bowl this year. So basically, and I didn't watch it. I just saw this part, but all it made, all it's made me want to do is go to the Bahamas Bowl next year, because they, so one, it was Ohio versus... Uh, Oh, who's playing? Anyway, smaller schools. But the, their, their, their experience was like there was, there was very minimal security. Like they were going to go to the to, to will call, but the line was too long. So they just went up to security and said, oh, yeah, we've already been in. Security let them in. Like everybody was just drinking. People were walking around the track outside of, this, out of the field of play, like where people were actually playing, like drinking beers, carrying around cases of beers. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a big party. Like the security guards were high-fiving people. A couple of people came down this, the stands and high-fived players. Like it was kind of like this big party. And the thing I like about it is there was very minimal security. It was in the Bahamas. So it was awesome. But everybody had a really good time. There wasn't any trouble. But there's super funny stories. Like this, this guy was walking around the stadium, and they, they came up to one of the, the royal uh, Bahamian guards, and, and uh, the, the, there's this fence. And he goes, you guys should go back there and check it out because I don't know what's back there. Like there was just – there was like, you know, there's, they said there was 10 entrance, or 20 entrances and only 10 were guarded. Uh, beers were $14 in the stadium, but you could walk outside of the stadium – 
and get six beers for $12 and then bring them in a plastic bag. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we can bring beer around the stadium. It's like the security guard just took a drink of my beer. Like they're like, as long as you have guns, you're good to go. And then on top of that, there was a, their like side entertainment for like kids, you know, how they have like, Oh, you can see how fast you can pitch or this is how, how, how high, you know, uh, Julio Jones can jump or something like that. Well, they had real archery. So this, this is somebody who was no older than four shooting a real bow and arrow from about 20 yards away in public in the Bahamas. Oh my God. The Bahamas fall. Yeah. Uh, so there was a, if you just look up, you know, uh, 2017 Bahamas fall on, on Google, there's a couple articles about it or it's on Reddit. It's definitely worth the time to read. And I know it's going to be ruined now because now the public knows about it, but this is definitely one bowl game. I regret not going to. Huh? That's really interesting. Uh, what have, well, have you been to a bowl game before? No, actually, even even the, going through Iowa was a really good traveling fan base. I just didn't, you know, I didn't have any money in college to go, and then I was gonna go if they made the college football playoff yeah. uh, a couple years ago, but they they lost to Michigan State in the, the Big Ten championship, so I ended up going. Yeah, I've never been. I, I went to a a conference USA championship um, matchup one time when I when I lived in Orlando. I saw. I think it was UCF and Tulsa, which was, which was, was, was fun. <laughs> and that was, you know, championship Saturday and it was the early ESPN game. So it was like an 1130 kickoff or something. Um, so I remember we, uh, you know, we tailgated and, you know, got, you know, had a few drinks. I was, I was drunk pretty early in the day. So um, that's mainly what I remember. <laughs> that time. Brandon Marshall played in that game. It was, it was if, if memory serves, I think he did. Uh, it was a good time. Um, so my Todd Gurley moment of the week, um, what, what can I say? Was pulling out the League of Ballers championship. Um, I, I matched up this week against uh, Trey Barrett in a, in a championship game, and, and he destroyed my team behind Todd Gurley and several other guys. I had a lot of guys that didn't show up. But, but Will and I played, and, 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 I, and I pulled it out. So I was, really, I was really happy about. It. I mean, it was it was not a lot of suspense. I have to say, I had an early lead, and it kind of kind of held up. So the uh, only thing the only thing that makes me upset about that is Trey put in our show notes that Trey is greater than Ryan, who is greater than Will. So somehow I got put dead last in the transitive property. I don't even know how that happens. Like that doesn't even make any sense. It's not like that we all three of us played each other in championship games or something, and he he beat us both. So I don't I don't. Yeah, what I had no business being in the championship game. We were together. That was a. Uh, as I call it, some of the most fantasy situations ever because the top scoring or the, the like second, if you weren't the top, the set, the set, the second team got knocked out. And uh, I had a really easy playoff schedule leading up to literally having no players to play and made the choice to start Capri Pibbs and Samaj P. Ryan, which actually worked out because I would have <laughs> to start Kerwin Williams otherwise. So it was, uh, it's one of those times where I was like, this is just, you know, I, I'm not going to be upset if I lose because it's a, it's a throw and pray. Yeah, you you were playing with house money going into that game. Yeah, it was one of those those leagues where um, the uh, um, you know the the other two there were two teams probably on paper certainly better than mine, um, but one of the guys lost uh, he he had lost uh, Deshaun Watson earlier in the year. Then he lost Carson Wentz. You know, so he he had no QBs, and, and Will soundly defeated him in the semifinals. And then uh, there was another team that uh, just kind of got upset. Another team got really hot that I barely beat in the semifinals. So oh, yeah, wait, I beat Trey in the in the first round of that playoff. You did. That's yeah, right. Yeah, give me off that bottom round. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, and I also I won two of the Scott Fish satellite uh, Scott Fish Bowl satellite tournaments I played in. I entered two. I won two. So I was pretty thrilled about that. So I got my I have my ticket to to Scott Fish Bowl, and hopefully all the all the Joes will be in the Scott Fish Bowl next year. We'll see. So 
that was pretty awesome. It's always good to win those, like, you know, against those other people that, you know, it wasn't, I didn't want any money, but I got a ticket to Scott Fishbowl next year. So I'm pretty excited about that. What, what about, uh, for, so for letdowns this week, we're going to name it after two guys. We've got to call it the, um, what, what do you call it? Was it where we're talking about Alshon Jeffrey, and Michael Crabtree? Well, what, what, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Crabtree can join twin letdown of the week. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, those guys, they were joined like, at the hands cause neither could catch anything. <laughs> Maybe they were. What? Tell, tell me. Tell us about. So you had a. You have a story, right? You were in a championship game, and you had it like one or both of those guys, right? Yeah. So it was in redraft, and I had Crabtree, and was, I was winning by you know a fair amount, and it basically had it locked up, and should have had him to watch this game, and I was looking forward to like maybe seeing a little bit. And after I had a Jai, I had Derek Carr, and I had Michael Crabtree, and I decided to start Derek Carr over Joe Flacco. You know, big mistake. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, I want to pair these guys just in case. Uh, because Carr's going to throw a touchdown to Crabtree most, most likely, right? Uh, right. Anyway, uh, so Jai caught that touchdown, and but my opponent had Nick Foles and Nelson Aguilar. And I was up about 20, uh, let's say. Let's say I was up like 25 at halftime. So I'm feeling pretty good about everything. And, uh, you know, I'm still kind of sitting there. It's not too late in the night, so I'm watching it. And then Derek or Jai fumbles, and Derek Carr throws the interceptions. And then everything just starts going badly. And basically it's one Foles to Aguilar – uh, long connection, which, which you know, uh, uh, it kind of happened earlier. You're not with Foles, but Aguilar's had some big touchdown catches. So I was like, well, now I have to watch this because uh, I, I need to know what happens. Like, I can't just go to bed during this. This needs to be, this needs to be seen. And so the, the letdown of the week is that I actually had to do that. It was horrible. That game was so <laughs> terrible. It was the worst, like, I mean, I like watching NFL, but I didn't want to watch that at all. It was, I don't know. It's just really, <laughs> I mean, obviously, sitting on my couch watching the NFL is still a great life. But I was just very, very upset that I had to do it. Yeah, the only I have a silver lining for that game. Not that I won a ton of money, but I was playing in one of those DFS tournaments against a hundred other people, and I was kind of right there, hovering within the money. And that last play of the game, that Eagles touchdown. Remember that last play of the game? <laughs> so I ended up. I was winning. taking out the dog, so it's actually I didn't see that. <laughs> I saw like the good part of the game. I missed. Yeah, they're trying to you know uh, flip the flip the ball around and then you know try to get something done, and they 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 turn it over and. uh yeah, Philly recovers, takes it back for a touchdown. That yeah, that that touchdown won me some money, so I was pretty happy about that. And I was bummed because I was like, I was like, oh, I'm just outside of the money. I'm so angry. Um, I've, I've loved all the garbage time touchdowns this year too. Like, there's been a few, at least at least two more defensive touchdowns that they should have just taken a knee after recovering the ball. And then like Derrick Henry, you know, bursting off a couple seventy yard runs at the end of the game right. again, where he should have just gone down to run out the clock. Ingram had one. Like, it's been a very. I don't remember there being this many of those in the past. Like even like. Uh, Leonard Fournette earlier in the year against the Steelers when he housed like a 95 yarder or something like that. Uh, it's just like, I feel like the, the NFL, like people are like, Oh no, I got to do some fantasy stats because that sells more jerseys now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my, um, you know, Alshon Crabtree can join twin let down of the week. Um, you know, I, I was great that I won League of ballers, but, but I would say anticlimactic fantasy Super Bowls. Cause I was in three of them. I was fortunate to be in three in them. And in two leagues, I knew I was done early cause I was playing against Todd Gurley and I had guys on these rosters that didn't perform, you know, Devonta Freeman and I had Des going on one of those leagues and, um, uh, Oh, Kenyon Drake and, um, um, uh, Case Keenum that was my QB in, in my, uh, keeper league going for me the, you know, on that Saturday night. So when he didn't do anything, I was like, Oh man, I'm in trouble. I'm in real trouble. Uh, so that was, uh, the, 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 you know, it, it's, it's, I, you know, so I guess some people would say, well, it's good that you, 
got destroyed in those two championship games because you, you know you knew you were going to lose. But I don't know. I mean, there wasn't a lot of as much excitement as there could have been had all my matchups been closer. So I, I guess there was a it was a little bit anticlimactic because I I kind of knew I was going to win the one and I kind of knew I was going to lose the other two. So I don't know if that sounds weird. Oh, and, and then I checked my MFL tens this year. Oh, I was horrible this year in MFL tens. I did so well my last year was the first year I did them, and then this year. I did only did four just because I was so busy with like startup drafts in the off season and stuff. I only managed to do four and I was horrible. And I'll talk about that in, in like lessons I learned, but that was a disappointing. That was really disappointing. Especially when you read about people that are like, Oh, I won so much money on MFL tens this year. It's like, uh, <laughs> but. yeah, I hate, I hate hear about other people's victories. It's horrible, horrible people. I'm saying you're losing. <laughs> yeah. But remember, and, and, and I think it was, um, I was listening to to Dynasty. I think it was Dynasty Blueprint. I, I and if it's not wasn't that podcast, I should give another one credit. But I think it was Ryan McDowell that said, um, you know, if if um, and maybe it wasn't Ryan McDowell, but if you you know make the the playoffs, that shows that you're uh, you're a skilled fantasy player. And then a lot, playoffs are a lot of luck. You know, I mean, if you get in the playoffs and, and Antonio Brown goes on for your team, for example, you know, you 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 lost one of your studs, got you there. So so just keep that in mind that if you you made a lot of playoffs, and, and I think we all did. Um, you're doing well, and the, you know the, the, there's a little bit of luck involved with winning that championship. So. Well, everybody has a year too. I mean, dynasty kind of evens out a little bit more, but in redraft, where you could have the second highest scoring team and miss the playoffs because those six weeks where you didn't post the best scores, you got you got bested by somebody having like an on week, and just kind of the. I think it's what it's one of the things that's frustrating, but also fun about fantasy football is because you can't. If it was just controllable via like you knew what a player was going to do there'd be no point in playing right yeah no that's that's what adds to the fun too that you know you could have a a team that gets lucky in the playoffs and you know well a couple things could have you know broken on uh on saturday and sunday and you you (laughs) won a championship i mean seriously right i mean i mean it would have been like five or six things i don't know all right i I went comfortably but you never i mean you just don't you just don't know so that's what makes it so fun to, to that end, let's get into um, the bulk of the show, and we're going to talk about our resolutions for 2018. Um, resolutions we're going to make, things we learned from the 2017 season. This, I think this is going to be heavy on Dynasty, but I'm going to talk a little bit about MFL 10s, uh, some things I learned from that. We might talk a little bit about redraft. So, Will, are you ready to go? Are you ready to share some of your New Year's resolutions? Oh, I wrote so many. And I, I, I was, as I was writing them too, I was like, man, I, I'm too, focusing too much on the negative here. And what I've actually learned on the fun side of fantasy football, because you learn, I feel like you learn a lot of lessons from, from uh, making mistakes versus like, uh, oh, I learned that it actually makes sense to roster every single Patriots running back. Like that's not a real lesson learned. <laughs> it worked out for you. So anyway. <laughs> it's kind of a lesson. <laughs> uh, so, well, why don't you start? You've got more than me. So why don't you start off? And I think your first one's a positive one. Yeah. So the first thing that I, so this is, so even, you know, we have this, this podcast going, but it's not like, I don't pretend that I've been a, you know, I'm 31 and I haven't played, I haven't been playing dynasty for like 11, you know, 15 years or anything like that. This is year, this is year two uh, for me overall. And the one thing that I've learned in dynasty is that uh, it's not like people, like when I talk about it to people and I say, Hey, you know, we do a podcast, you can listen to it, but just as a heads up, it's more dynasty focused. And they're like, oh, no, that's way too crazy. Like, that's way too involved. And the one thing for novices out there is, like, Dynasty isn't that, like, it's not that foreboding. Like, it's amazing. 
you know, you have a whole offseason where you now pay attention to what other people are doing, you know, you know, rookies and where they're landing and what they're all their stats and things like that. On top of that, if you do like one dynasty league, you can focus all your time on that. It's a very small commitment overall. And if you're passionate about it, of course it takes up more time because but it's fun time. Like it's a new hobby, it's a new fun hobby for you to do. So the the, the thing I wanted to say is uh, if you haven't done Dynasty before, you're hearing this now, is to try it out. Give it a shot. Uh, and, and if you don't like it, I'll, I'll, you know, the first uh, three people that don't like it, I'll take over their teams after the first year. And if you want, our, our uh, co-host Trey will, because Trey cannot uh, help himself by, by joining leagues or taking off. Yeah. <laughs> Trey, Trey's still in the triple digits of leagues. He's looking <laughs> to hit quad pretty soon. So, uh, No, that's a – well, I love that point because you're right. It, it's the same, same talk, you know, I have with, with people – um, so, so I, my, my neighbor, um, when the season started a, a new neighbor, he just bought the house next to me and we were, I struck up a conversation with him about fancy football and he plays and he plays like in a league with his buddies. And I was telling him, well, I'm really into dynasty. I, I I'm in a bunch of leagues. I actually do a podcast. He's like, Whoa, that's crazy. He's like, that's <laughs> way too much for me. Like, dynasty, yeah. I should I start that. Austin Safarian Jenkins or Ben Watson? <laughs> Well, yeah, he started asking me questions like that, which was fun. But um, uh, yeah, you think that you can't, you know, it's it's too much, but but really, it, it's not, and it, it is so much fun because there, like, I'm, I was bummed, you know, when the season was over for a couple of days, when the fantasy season was over. But now I'm like, totally like, yeah, we're gonna trade, you know, starting to reach out to other owners, talking about deals and assessing my teams and looking at um, December ADP and and trying to figure out, okay, you know, based on what these guys are valued in this ADP is buy a seller hold for me. I mean, it's just so much fun. So I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Dynasty is where it's at. I, and, I, and there's a place in my heart for redraft and, and, and the keeper league I'm in, I like, especially because I like the league mates. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the dynasty is where it's at. And I think it makes you better for redraft too. If you want to play one dynasty league and all the rest redraft, you're gonna have so much more, knowledge just because of what you wanted to look up you know you're sitting there and you listen to a podcast that's in the off season that talking about like up and coming players you're just more in tune to everything um at least i feel i feel that way like I, i'm sure there's like people who just play redraft who had won more fantasy championships than me this year but in general i do feel like it's a pretty nice advantage to do some dynasty stuff and then not tell your lead mates in redraft with that you're doing it so that way you can get better players <laughs> no i agree with that too um so um here's some of my lessons and where should I start? I think I'll start. This is a small one and, and this is maybe more of a redraft. So I'll, I'll do this one first just to get out of the way. This thing about um, fantasy playoff schedules. You're going to listen to podcasts um, even over the summer and they're going to look at the schedule of players. They're going to be like, Oh, well this guy, look, look at the, uh, look at the schedule he has for the fantasy playoffs. Um, look at the schedule that Matt Ryan has for the fantasy playoffs. He's going to play new Orleans and he's going to play Tampa Bay um, or um, Todd Gurley. You don't want to own Todd Gurley because his schedule gets really tough the second part of the year. And, and I think we just have to remember there's a lot that we don't know. And even if we think a defense is elite, um, uh, like you know, Houston Texans, they're going to lose some, you know, they might lose some players and all of a sudden they're not such an elite defense at the end of the year. So I think especially really early on in, in a season, um, and I think this goes for mainly for redraft, but also for dynasty league as well. If you're trying to make deals to get ready for the playoffs, um, don't overthink uh, a playoff schedule because I don't know at least too many examples of that actually working out. I mean, that was one of the, the talk of, uh, of Doug Martin. You might remember 
uh, last year. Like Doug Martin has an amazing fantasy schedule. The second part of the year, he didn't yeah. pick him up, and this didn't work out because you know he got that you know, suspension, and he just wasn't right last year. Wasn't really right this year. So I think that's a lesson for me because you're going to hear that emphasized. And I, I just think that gets overemphasized. We look at these these playoff schedules. I, I mean, I've gone on and on about it. So what what do you think, Will, about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about like Todd Gurley playing the Seahawks in the first week of the playoffs. I mean, right? That was week fourteen. Was that week thirteen? I I think it was fourteen. I think you're right. Yeah, would he have four touchdowns? You know, like three touchdowns and two hundred plus yards. Like anyway, and you would have never wanted that matchup because it's the Seahawks run defense. They're really good, and they're it's the Legion of Boom and things like that. You really wanted to play against New Orleans. Turns out you don't want to play against New Orleans because now they're a running team and they love to do clock management. And then they have a good secondary because I would honestly be interested to see uh, like how their secondary does if they like like uh, cha- like if they basically like the offense if it changes next year to where they're not they don't have the ball as often their running game isn't as good. Um, but anyway, yeah, the playoff schedules at the beginning of the year and it's something that and, like listening to Chris Harris quite a bit. He's always said, "Do not look at the fantasy playoffs. Don't look at schedules. It's stupid. Don't do that. That's dumb." Like, and then you're gonna hear people talk about it later on in the season. He's like, "You need to stop that. Like right now." And it's funny to hear it and then kind of watch it happen. And I feel like this year, especially with a lot of variants, like even like the Texans became terrible and things like that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I mean, it's just a, it's something that I think I, I'm letting go completely of this year. I didn't go into last year and definitely will. Yeah. And it was week 15 um, uh, that, that uh, where the Rams played Seattle. Um, and, and yeah, you're, you're right. Chris Harris has mentioned that. I forgot he mentioned that. So uh, shout out to Chris Harris there. Wasn't trying to steal his thunder. Uh, I mean, it's and it's so easy, Will, to. I didn't think, I didn't think you were. No, but Chris Harris, we're listening. We're coming for you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, it's it's funny too because because you fall into it's easy to fall into that trap. It's easy to like look at that and you're like, oh my god, if I have this player on my roster, you know, I'm going to win my championship for sure. So, yeah, um, you know, pump pump the brakes, slow down. It's Let's way not- too early in the in the year to decide that one injury changes everything. I mean, Richard Sherman going down for the Seahawks. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, All so the Texas defenders going down. Anyway, okay. <laughs> what, what's uh, what do you got next? What's your uh, next resolution? So, so next next up is is something that I've kind of mentioned before, but I said it's it's be careful of overconsumption. And so I consume a lot of fantasy podcasts and information and read tons of articles and go to tons of websites and things like that. And at the end of the day, what I've, what I've kind of found out, even thinking about like the trades I've made and I've done and, and ones that I don't necessarily regret, but just maybe wouldn't do now. Uh, but it, and this actually came up with a coworker because it was after, and specifically it was just after a, a Roto Underworld podcast where talking up uh, Derek, Derek Henry, who, who's a great prospect and could be an RB one, you know, any time that you know that Demarco Murray would go down. But he said, you know, he had a team and he had the, all these, these really good wide receivers, and he offered Michael Thomas for Derek Henry, and I was like, what are you doing? Like that's a horrible offer, and the guy rejected it. And uh, it, uh, so just to me, it's it's be very very wary of what you're listening to according to your own, but compared to your own opinion. So even with our podcast, I'm going to get excited about all the players I'm talking about. I'm going to hype them up. I'm going to do what, you know, and, and then try to say like where I value them. But if you value them differently, don't feel bad about sticking to your gut or, or not changing it, like over, you know, reacting to what somebody else says. You know, we do this on the back end and we love to talk about it and get excited about it. But at the end of the day, like make sure you're making decisions that you want to do and that you're not consuming too much information that you lose your own, you know, kind of guiding light as a fantasy player. Yeah, go against the grain. I think that's good because if you think about it, last year, talking about Jared Goff, what were we saying about Jared Goff? Um, 
you know, oh, he's, he's horrible. He's never going to be a good NFL quarterback. And, um, uh, you know, even going into the year, you know, we were in the League of Ballers um, when, when it kind of expanded to full dynasty, that kind of, kind of a pseudo startup draft will. And uh, Jared Goff went real late. You know, a lot of QBs went before him. Um, th- this as an example of this guy that pops on my head. So, yeah, the narrative changes. You know, what, it, it, it would be fun to go back and listen to podcasts a year ago, talking about player values and what's going to happen. Just there's so many things that change. So, yeah, if you have a – if you just see that, if you, if you like Goff as an example coming into the league and you feel strongly about it, you know, stick, stick to your guns. Uh, Devontae Adams comes to mind as well. Another guy that a couple years ago, we just like left for dead. And, uh, you know, right now he's at least a top. <laughs> and now several players have tried to kill him in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. It seems that way. Doesn't it? My God. <laughs> I mean, we, we hate the fact that you're. Uh, a yeah. Player. Stop, stop making plays. <laughs> Let me concuss you while you're not looking. Poor Devontae Adams. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Like you think about John Hopkins, like a year ago he was trash. And this year coming into dynasty, yeah. you know, drafts, What's he going to go? He's going to be a very, very high, you know, top six in a PPR, like top six at the latest. Yeah, that's in a, a dynasty starter. Example, Gurley, also another guy that was disrespected. Um, we could go on and on, uh, but but kind of, I, my, I guess my next one can tie into that. And as a homage to Star Wars, I'll say I'll call it patience, my young Padawan. Um, <laughs> even if you're low on a player, be sure that his value. Um, can't still go up further and I think my, my my example for this is Ty Montgomery I had Ty Montgomery in a league um in uh in the uh, going into um the option. you traded him to me is what I'm saying did I trade him to you yeah oh, okay I, I don't remember who I traded him to I should have figured it was you so <laughs> I had Ty Montgomery and I uh I just didn't believe in him I just didn't think that he was going to be you know the back in Green Bay and, and I just I just was really like negative on him right I just looked at his stats in 2016, he had like two huge games against the Bears is what I saw. And I'm like, ah, whatever. So I, so I made a trade, and, and his value after I traded to, to him to you, Will, went up. And I think you got out on him at the right time because you flipped him to somebody else, didn't you? Well, I mean, I got Doug Martin and Martavis Bryant in that deal. Well, okay, well, the, uh, you know, but at the time, that looked like a great deal. No, so I, I guess what my point is, before you trade, like even if you're really negative or sour on somebody, we all are, just think about is there a chance that, there could be some buzz on this guy, you know, in the, in the preseason where his value could go up and that's a better time to trade him. Another example is Denny Woodhead. I had Denny Woodhead on my team. Mm. And I, I traded him for, for, I don't even remember what I got for very little. And, uh, and I was, I think I was right about Denny Woodhead, but I was wrong about the time I sold him because if I had held on to him, there was a lot of like hype in the preseason, like Denny Woodhead's going to be, you know, this PPR monster. He's going to be this machine. There was a lot of podcasts hyping him up. If I just held him to him for a little bit longer, I would have been much better off. So that that's just just think about it. Think think. What, do I see a world where this guy's value can go up before I decide to flip him? Yeah, and my, my thought about that too, and even like early season, and like dynasty trade conversation talks is, uh, is this value that I'm selling him at I'm comfortable with? Like, is it? Can I can I hold him or you know, this player? And do and they could use like Doug Martin as an example. Like Doug Martin's value is trash right now in right. dynasty leagues. It's so bad and like. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sell him for super cheap because there's no point. Like, he's it's the offseason. He doesn't take up a big roster spot for me. And so I'm not going to sell super low on him because unless I'm getting a piece that I feel like can actually benefit me, like, I'm not going to gamble on, like, a late rookie pick or, like, or you know, or, like, a, something like that just because he had a bad year. You know, what if he said, what if Doug Martin is the next person that signs with the Patriots, you know? You never really know what's going to happen. I kind of assume he's going to get cut by the books, which is an episode for the future talking about, like, contracts and things like that. But, uh, 
it's those kind of players too, like, like Danny Woodhead, you didn't sell at the highest, but it turns out that you were still right, you know, and I think you got something decent for him. So at the end of the day, it's yeah, a, I mean, it's not a crushing blow, but, it, but still, if I had been, yeah, sometimes you just need to be patient. I mean, sometimes there's a pressing need. Maybe you've got to trim down your roster, um, you know, before the rookie draft and you've got to get rid of some guys. So you just unload them. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel too bad about that. Like the, there's a league I'm in and it's uh, only 24 man rosters. It's the, the no name league. And I had to, I had to trim down my, my roster. So I, I trimmed down Tariq Cohen before the, the beginning of the year. And I kept a couple of guys and in hindsight, I should have kept Cohen. Right. But you know, you gotta, you gotta make the moves and I couldn't really, I, and I actually think I, I dealt him for very little, but you know, you gotta, you gotta make moves sometimes. You, you gotta, yeah. And, it definitely, and I wasn't like dancing against the idea of like, make sure, don't think that this player can go any higher. I just don't want to, I, I, one of my, like not a pet peeve. One thing I really hate dealing with is, uh, people who think that like their players are worth the world and you're offering them trash all the time. I, I think if you look back at my trade history, I always try to offer something that I feel like is going to provide their team other, like extra value or trying to do what they're doing. Uh, I very rarely do I start off with just like a low ball, super bad offer because the people usually shut you down. And so it's the idea of like, uh, do I think this player is going to go any higher or actually this is a good deal even if he goes a little bit higher, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I think our, our philosophy is probably a little bit different than our, our co-host Trey's where I, I think Trey, I don't want to say Trey will totally lowball people, but I think he's, he's different. Like he wants to get the maximum value out of his deals. And I, and I totally respect that. But sometimes I'll just go at a guy and I'll be like, this is my best, not always, but th- I'll just go, this is my best offer. You know, what do you think? Take it or leave it. Cause sometimes that's the best way to get things done. And then you build some trust and, and then people are like, you know, this guy, he's not trying to milk the most out of me and that's burned me for sure. But I, I, I like that approach sometimes um, or at least close to my best offer. Um, just sometimes it's a way and you, and you got to know your other owners too. And, and, and how, how they, some owners will expect you to go back and forth and start low and yeah. Um, but that's kind of, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm digressing there. Um, what, what's your next, uh, what's your next resolution? Well, uh, the next one, I don't even know if it's a resolution as much of it's just a complaint. Uh, it sucks to wait on top of rookie pick wide receivers. And this year, particularly for me, at least, uh, was Mike Williams and John Ross because, if I had the opportunity to take Corey Davis, I was taking Leonard Fournette in the drafts. Um, but, but that's neither here nor there, this, this, this current uh, comment about last year. And I, what I want to preach here is that if you're going to take – if you are a rebuilding team and you're taking a, a rookie wide receiver like this, just be ready for them not to do anything their rookie year and that you're still going to suffer. And maybe you should just be ready to be – you know, don't make moves to win now if you're winning two years. One year might not do it because, you, I mean, John Ross – he had to get negative fantasy points this year. Mike Williams has like five catches total. Like who knows? And Corey Davis, at least he shows some classes, but Mario already got hurt and things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, what, 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 honestly, my opinion is like, it, it's the smart move to take a wide receiver that you really believe in is going to be a stun when you can and a good value. But I cannot, I, one of the big moves I regret is taking Mike Williams at any point in time over uh, Dalvin Cook. And, you know, even living here in Minnesota, but doing that just because I felt like Mike Williams was going to be the better long-term value. And you know what really sucks? And then Dalvin Cook blows up the first few weeks of the year while Mike Williams is, is basically on the IR. Uh, and so, and like, long story short is mentally prepare yourself for the grind of drafting a rookie wide receiver. Uh, don't think that they're going to do anything year one. We, I think we've just been spoiled in the past few years. That's great. I love that. Yeah, same goes for for uh, tight ends as well. But 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 you're mainly you're drafting wide receivers much earlier than than tight ends, uh, other than than this year. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have anything to add. I, I own plenty of shares of John Ross and, and I'm, I'm with you. You just have to be patient and, and hope that um, he say, the guy stays healthy. I think he's still an interesting guy to, to think about buying because I think a lot of people are just like done with him. They're going to see that, that ne- those negative fantasy points and, and sell them to you. You can get them for cheap. Um, and there's rumors about him turning to a cornerback again, which have no legs <laughs> to him whatsoever. It's, uh, it's just Someone crazy. tweeted it. It's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not to say that. I mean, it just, just know that it's going to suck to wait on a rookie wide receiver, potentially. Like, prepare yourself for that. And then any benefit you get from it, that's a win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the guy kind of fits into that is like Zay Jones, who I still, I still believe in, but, um, you know, he's a guy I drafted before, you know, I could have taken like, you know, cream hunt Alvin, Alvin Kamara and, and I didn't in some leeks and that, that kind of stings right now. And, and they're probably going to be more valuable always than, than Zay Jones, but, but still, yeah, I mean, I, you still, I still got to hold that hope right eventually that he'll, he'll bounce back. I mean, maybe he'll be the next, like, you know, Devontae Adams or something like that. You never know. You never know. You never know. I mean, it doesn't look promising, but you have an idea, but but you gotta be patient. Yeah. You gotta be that Bill's offense is going to turn it around. It can only get better. It can only get better. So along those lines, you, you mentioned Dalvin cook and this kind of plays into my, my next uh, point. I want to say, be careful about relying too much on combine results. um, What happens at the combine? Because I think there are some, uh, meaningful statistics to come out of it but the whole thing with Dalvin Cook and you know he had this horrible combine um, the same with Deshaun Watson you know his his velocity of his throws that was the, you know well you don't want Deshaun Watson because the guy his velocity you know the only other guy in the league that throws with that low of a velocity was Mike is Mike Glennon like he, so he shot, he shot puts the ball into the air <laughs> and, and you know I, I I watched plenty of Deshaun Watson in college I knew the guy could could throw the ball I, I mean I, like with my eyes I'm not a scout or anything but I I feel comfortable being able to, to assess the fact that a guy can throw you know, in the NFL, he can make throws. So, but I bought into that. And thus I, I ended up with Deshaun Watson in one of my leagues just because the circumstances. Um, but I, I should have, you know, kind of dismissed a little bit of that with, with my assessment of, um, of certain players like Cook and, and, and Watson. So I, I, th- I think you just want to be very discerning about what combine statistics you you uh, you buy into and which ones you don't, and, and and the combine is not the end all be all. And there's a lot of studies that show that when it comes to wide receivers, for example, combine results really don't mean anything. Um, with wide receivers, you know, three cones important allegedly. You know, uh, uh, forty times are important, but there's guys like Dalvin Cook that show that they're exceptions. Um, another well, thing, that, what's that? Well, I was gonna say, well, if you compare like the combine, like monster, like Julio Jones versus Antonio Brown. Somebody crunched the combine, somebody didn't. Yeah. You know, and, and, and at the end of the of course, like Antonio Brown was like by the time they were up for that rookie draft. But anyway, yeah, continue. No, I mean that's that's that was my point. Just just be careful. I mean, I still think that you should use that information to um, go into your your valuing of, of rookies, but I, I just think you need to be careful. You need to really like understand what information is important, which information isn't. And I thought I had this really good understanding of that, but I had some misses with with relying too much on combine information it's hard not to buy the combine hype because it's the only thing going on at the time yeah and everybody's like this person ran this fast 40 this so 40 and they touched this many cones in a drill that wasn't even part of the the combine but they still did something awesome on the side. So, you know like i'm just most kidding uh yeah you know like look at tom brady's combine uh which i think is my favorite video to watch when i'm feeling down about 
myself is to go watch Tom Brady <laughs> run in Kenny Carter shorts. Uh, but then he ended up That's being, awesome. you know, he's more athletic than I'll ever be. But, uh, and, and at the end of the day, the combine's fun. And I think it's a great spectacle. And you have really cool things that happen there. And some of it might matter. Like, if a running back is super fast, who already has great stats and is super fast and can jump out of the building and, you know, has a big project, that's something to pay attention to because that's something you might want to trade up for. Yeah. But if your person, again, like I think Dalvin Cook might be the best example because his combine stats were terrible comparatively. Like they weren't, people were just hating on him. And I think it's one of the reasons I took Mike Williams over Dalvin Cook in those drafts. And yeah. you just see his, his first four games productions where he was, I mean, he was in line to be the top producing rookie RB and that's saying a lot for this year. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no. Yeah, that those the damn combine. But there's some good stuff that comes out of it. But we we'll get to that in future shows. But but Will, what's your next resolution? It wouldn't change anything about it. I love the combine. Yeah, I get excited about something at some point. <laughs> uh so this is the, the next one for me is is don't get too stir crazy in the off season when it comes to leagues and, and joining new like dynasty leagues or new like keeper leagues that do drafts earlier and things like that or taking over an orphan team. Uh, I definitely got the bug super hard last year. And in general, and I, I overcommitted to, to to leagues that, I, you know, of people, I was, I was taking over somebody else's team and a keeper league or doing something different. Uh, I'm going to keep all the dynasty leagues I joined for, that, that did, I joined by myself. And then, uh, but I think I'm going to have to get rid of some of the keeper leagues because just, uh, I'm not ready to to try to try to be in that many leagues and be manage that many rosters and waiver wires. And each waiver wire has different rules. One of them even had, you could get them on like, you get them on Tuesday morning instead of Wednesday. So I had to remember that. That team, that's my worst one. It's terrible. Uh, but anyway, that had nothing to do with it. But there's just, uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to have to let some go. And just be, be conservative when you're joining leagues. And, and, and join ones you know you're going to pay attention to and have your heart in. Because I even joined one dynasty league that ended up collapsing. And I had actually had spent way too much time on it. Uh, but, yeah, that's just a lesson that I learned this year. Is, uh, I'm not going to overcommit myself going into the future. And, and remember, if you have an itch that you need to scratch um, in the off season, um, well, number one, you can spend a lot of time doing your research. You know, spend time looking at tape of players or looking at, at you know statistics. You know, rank, ranking rookies um, or do MFL tens. Or if you have to join a league, there are best ball dynasty leagues even where you you draft uh, a team, and then there are a couple times during the year where you do transactions. So if I think if I joined any dynasty leagues in the off season and, and and the fancy Joes might start one, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. Um, that might be the way to do it where it's, it's not as time consuming. Cause I'm with you. Will. I, you know, we, I, I've, we, we've talked about this, how we're, I'm also in my second year of dynasty and really being very, a very casual fantasy football player on and off for, Oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 15 years or so. It was about three years ago where I took the deep dive into fantasy football. And it, I, you know, I got deeper and deeper each year and now I'm in, I think, 11 leagues, not counting different tournaments that I played in and other activities um, related to, to fantasy football. And it was a lot of work because I, I spent a lot of time uh, yeah. I take this very seriously. So, you know, my, uh, my Tuesday nights, man, I, I, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, looking at the waiver wire and, and, and making claims and um, trying to make deals to make my teams better. And yeah, the more leagues you're in, you're just gonna you're just gonna do worse. So it, yeah, yeah, because you because you got you gotta put in the work to to be a successful have a successful team. And if you, if you just don't have the time, then do one or two leagues and, and and just just put the work into those two leagues. 
And if you find yourself with extra time, just be more active in them, trying to make trades and things like that. Is what, that's basically what I learned too is like, I became less active in the leagues I was super active before. They were more fun for me to make deals because I had extended myself. And that just made it, it just dilutes everything to me, for, like in general. So if you want to do it and you think this is it for you, try it. I mean, I guess like, I don't want to stop you from trying, just be wary. Maybe we'll join like two less leagues you thought you should. Yeah, I like it. And it's hard advice to follow because it's like, uh, you know, early March and you're like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like we, we've, we've all got stuff going on. Obviously I, like everyone's busy with, uh, with, with family and work and, you know, we all have these really busy lives, but you do have some little bit of free time and it's like, what am I going to do with my free time? And it's real tempted, tempting to, to join some kind of startup league. Oh, another thing you can do, um, uh, uh, DLF has those mock drafts, you know, for, for ADP. So Ryan McDowell will follow him on Twitter. Uh, Ryan MC 23, I believe at Ryan MC 23. And um, he'll put out there early in the month, Hey, I'm doing a mock. And, and that's how they get their ADP data. So that's a good way to do a draft and it's fun. And you learn a lot. You learn how people value players. Highly recommend that. So, um, you know, you, you send a tweet to Ryan and he'll, he'll, he'll get you in if you, if you're early on that. So, so do that. That's a good idea. Another way to spend your time. Um, okay. My next one. Consider the situation of uber talented studs that are at power five schools. And what I mean by that is one of the things I put way too much weight into going into rookie drafts was college production. Um, and there's a correlation between college production and NFL success. So it wasn't wrong to do that, but there were, there are guys like, um, like Alvin Kamara, for example, that if you look at his college statistics, they weren't amazing. Um, but look at like the way Tennessee used him. They, they didn't need him to, to be this, this workhorse, right? They didn't need him to be this bell cow. But has he really done anything in the NFL yet? Uh, oh, touche, touche. Um, <laughs> No, so, so I, I think what I, I just kind of dismissed him as like this guy, like I looked at his college production. I'm like, yeah, I know some, some really smart people are saying, like Ryan McDowell, say he's going to be the stud at the next level. And Trey was like, oh, I love him. And I'm like, and I, I really trust Trey's opinion, but I'm like, come on, Trey, look at his production. Um, but he, it turned out that, you know, everything worked out for him. And, and granted, he's an exception to, to a rule probably. Um, he's, there's not going to be guys like him in, in each rookie draft each year that like didn't look amazing in college or, or he looked good in college, but didn't have those eye popping statistics that, that popped off the, the sheet of paper. So I just think that's important to, to keep in mind when you're looking at some of these guys, if, you know, if, if they were highly recruited five-star recruits and, and they, and they went to Alabama, for example, but they didn't put up amazing numbers in Alabama. Look at, look at Kenyon Drake. Um, he, he, he was the, he was not the, the lead dog for, for Alabama, but it turns out he might be a really valuable fantasy asset. So um, th that's, that's my lesson. Just to, just to put that into my equation. If someone is, is a, this really impressive football player, but they didn't necessarily explode in college, if they went to the Ohio States of the world or the Alabamas of the world, um, maybe consider them differently than I would someone that went to Fresno State. You look at Rod Smith, the fullback for the Ohio State Buckeyes, only on the Cowboys because I assume that he's brothers with Jalen Smith. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, that's a good point. It's a good point. And yeah, for whether it's we're talking like elite talents or or lower tier guys, you're right. I mean, it, the, its situation in college matters too. And if they didn't get the opportunities in college, um, doesn't mean they're necessarily they're going to be these awful pros. So, well, what do you think of that? You, how do you assess um, rookies? What like what do you what do you do? Do you look at stats? Do you look at tape? Kind of a combination. 
Uh, so I'll start by I look at the bare minimum of tape of, of what you what I what, like looking at everything, and I read a lot about it, and basically take other opinions and try to compile them into one. And this year will be different. Is I'll try to start. I'll do that as well as starting to make my own and what I think about a player. And I think one of the good conversations that we had was with uh, Nick Whalen the other day, talking about like uh, like, and I think it's interesting because you look at cost player stats like. Even, even like we were talking about before, I'm going to start with this. Before we talk about like Leonard Fournette had 14 catches or whatever, you know, however many catches he had his senior year at LSU. Well, it turned out that, that was like 40%. Not, not 40, but like some like huge percentage point because the LSU passing game was so terrible. And like Georgia and Sony Michelle, everybody's like, oh, he's a receiving back. Sometimes he lands with his receiver. Well, he had five catches this season. Like that's – does it matter? Does it not? You know, how are they going to perform? Other, you know, what are other you know, people who are actual scouts who do this as a living – I'm going to take their opinion like more factored in this year than I did last year. Last year, we went more by stats. This year, I'm going to do more research, and I'm definitely going to buy the Devin report. And it's, it's not just a promotion for like Nick Whalen's Devin report, but just the way he talks about players and understands the game better than what I do. I'm okay with listening to people who study tape and getting their opinion. So I guess to, to answer the question would be, I would do factor more in uh, tape this year compared to numbers. I want them both uh, for sure. Because we've talked about it, like I mean, I, I know it, at the end of the day, you know, tape, tape, tape don't lie. Uh, but numbers <laughs> is how you play fantasy. Like you need numbers to win fantasy. Like if somebody runs really well but doesn't gain any yards, you know, it's like oh, they made a great cut and they saw the hole, but then they were tackled for two yards. It matters. Like if even yeah. if they're not good, so stats, 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 and tape should be blended. And uh, at, the end, at the end of the day, you know, kind of put those together into one, and then and then offer up an opinion. Yeah, and and guys that watch a lot of tape, Nick Whalen, Debbie Report, one of them. Another guy, Matt Waldman, has the rookie scouting profile, or pro, excuse me, the rookie scouting portfolio, the RSP, which which I'm going to invest in this year as well. So there are guys like Nick Whalen, uh, Matt Waldman out there that that do a lot of in depth film study, and I and I think you need to incorporate that as we're talking about into your assessment, because I, I was very heavy on st- last year, you know, was, was both of our second year in dynasty leagues. I was very heavy on the statistical analysis. So I relied a lot on resources like Rotoviz, for example. Um, and, you know, I watched, you know, I watched a little bit of college football and, you know, I, I brought some of that into, into play, but no, I, I definitely want to marry a lot of the, 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 the film-based evaluation of players with the statistical, and, and I think I'll be more effective in, in rookie drafts. So, and the, is- the best part about you know, being a listener to the fantasy shows is you won't have to do that because we'll do it for you, and we'll tell you everything about it. <laughs> and then you can just relax and then make your own opinions. Right, and, and, and we'll, we're going to try our best to have on guys like, like Nick Whalen again, hopefully. And, um, I don't know. He didn't like my draft picks enough. No, yeah, he's not coming back. He's like, you know, if it wasn't for Will. He's for too the- nice, actually. He's like a minute. He's like a minute. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't trust him. Uh, so uh, yeah. So, so um, well, actually, I think I actually hit all of mine. Um, I, I guess I guess that was you know the, my kind of my last one then was to talk about um the the, the process and and I think this is important if you don't do it or maybe not maybe maybe you don't need to overthink it maybe the best thing to do when you're going into your rookie drafts is is just look at where players were drafted and if they were drafted early <laughs> oh this is an offensive player drafted in the first round maybe I should take him as a as opposed to the guy that was drafted in the third round um, yeah I mean there's a huge correlation between where guys are drafted and performance in NFL you know spoiler alert um, but but I I think that it's valuable to have your own 
uh, assessment process. So there, there are, so, so do, do listen to us in the, the off season and other podcasts and do some research and, and, and look for those real authoritative Whoa, other, other podcasts. <laughs> there are a couple of others out there, believe it or not, <laughs> but, but mainly listen to us and um, use that data and put together your, your own rankings and, 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 you know, just, just have your own, uh, have an idea going into it. And, and also with that too, you, you, you know, have your own rankings, but also consider the league that you're in. We're in a league, for example, um, um, the, uh, the, the foot clan dynasty league that, the, that the three of us are in will, um, and in that league, I, I, I took an orphan team this year and I didn't do so well, but I've got the, I've got the one Oh two as a result. And, um, it's very heavy on running backs. Like during the rookie draft, running it was running back crazy, and running backs were taking taken well before wide receivers. So with that 102, I have to assess. Even though a guy like Sutton, I really like at the 102 in a league like that, do I take a guy like uh, like Ice instead? Because you know I know running backs are so valued in that league. So you also want to look at your situation, your league scoring format, and, and consider that you're going to do rookie drafts. So That's probably common sense, but. I mean, I would, I would kind of be, I'd be, I'd be like surprised a little bit if like the first, I would almost venture like there's going to be some third running back that moves up that goes like 103. Because with how bad the wide receiver class did last year for the top, the top picks, that people aren't just like reaching and then trying to trade for value like later on. Uh, but anyway, just speculation, yeah. neither here nor there. So, Will, I, I think you've got the last uh, couple of resolutions. You want to you bring it home with a couple more, or at least well, one more? So, the, the one I was just going to say, like, running backs are super fun. It's a super deep position as far as, like, the, you know, you have a Kenny and Drake when J.J. gets traded unexpectedly out of a team that can step up, and you held on to him, and now he's your golden goose to a playoffs, and maybe even a maybe fancy championship. So, RBs are fun, and don't get too jaded. You're going to be right about some guys you think are good. Like, Kenny and Drake was a pretty – I remember reading about it, and, like, a pretty popular pick – and rookie drafts a pretty like hyped up player didn't do anything at the beginning, you know. And you just kind of have to hold those guys in your roster if you can. Uh, stay positive. At first is my suggestion. Like, don't ever lose your positivity about dynasty fantasy football. I guess is the, the, the end of the day with running, with, especially with running backs, because and everything changes. Things change so quickly for those guys, and those are the guys that have the most opportunity when somebody else goes down by far. So uh, at the end of the day, like even like my my example, I think this year was. Jeremy Nichols. I love Jeremy Nichols. I wasn't reaching for him, but I was really, I was ready to take him. Like, I don't know if I was really feeling good, like maybe like the, the, the two ten to two twelve, we keep it maybe in the third round. Uh, Cause I was just like, Oh, this dude's going to just crush it. He's going to come in. He's going to be incredible. Uh, Doug Martin's out the first few games. He's going to establish I loved, himself. I loved him and, too. Uh, and I took him earlier than that. <laughs> yeah. There's not, there's not really, there was really no downside to Jeremy Nichols, you know? And it turns out he's not that good. And he got cut by the, the bucks. And now he's on the, the Niners practice squad. I think at the moment, but I'm not. If I have him on a team and I could keep him, versus other players, I'm going to hold on because there's just no. He's young enough. He he has the body type and the college production and the, the combine test results to, to at least you know if if somebody if a different coach or a different system figures it out or he fits well into it or just changes his mindset in life, uh, he can still be a valuable thing. Like even like talking about Aaron Jones, I picked up on the waiver wire in one of our leagues. because he was. I mean, he was drafted after Jamal Williams. Tim Montgomery emerged. There's all this stuff. So. Just don't – if you have a gut feeling about somebody, you really like somebody, don't be afraid to hold on to them. And this specifically relates around running backs because if you consume a lot of information, you end up with, uh, like, the Krishan Hogan's of the world, the, the other wide receivers that are super, super deep and athletic, but they're not on – their bonds are from practice squad to practice squad. 
those guys are probably guys that you know, like you can pick up later and, and let them go. Uh, but the running backs, maybe like stay positive and just just wait before you cut bait with those guys. Anyway, the, the last part is I think I think I'm in love with year over year variance. So the Rams, let's, I mean, I know the coaching change affects everything, but their year over year variance was insane. Todd Gurley was thrown into the, the trash can. So was Jared Goff, and they're like, "Oh, they're starting Robert Woods. Nobody cares. Cooper Cup. Nobody cares. He's too old. He's like that." And I'm, and even like the Falcons, everybody knew they're going to regress a little bit. I think statistically, just because it'd be weird if they didn't. Uh, and at the, at the end of the day, like, just be ready for year over year variance and choose players who you think are talented on a system that you think could do well. So if they're set up for success, and then. Uh, you know, you, you really do think they could. Don't don't be afraid to take a risk. Not like don't like ruin your team by it, but don't be afraid to like reach a couple picks ahead, or maybe like a you know uh, an eighth versus ninth round pick for a team that you believe in for the near future that you think uh, that they can turn it around uh, based on your own research and opinions. And um, and then on top of that, like just know that the Browns are always going to be bad. Yeah, um, I, I like that. Maybe a certain football team known as the Bears. Might have a bounce back, right? If, if they get the right coach, is it possible? Maybe sign a couple of free agent wide receivers. What do you think, Will? I'd be really worried about uh, Jordan Howard when a new coach comes in. It's like, oh, Tariq Cohen. Turns out he they was underused last year because they didn't want to ruin his career by hurting him. Yeah, and you're starting to hear that buzz like quietly. It seems like every Dynasty podcast I listen to, they're like, Tariq Cohen is this buy for everybody. Um, and, and probably a buy for me, but I think what's going to happen is like, all the buzz of people be thinking about that, like this regime change in Chicago and, 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 and pounce on him. So he may not be the, the great value that, um, you know, oh, some people I'd have a really hard time, like being super excited, like Alan Robinson signed there. Like if the Jaguars didn't sign him, I don't know. I want to, I want to love what they're doing on offense with the bears, but I also, I also just don't really trust it. Well, the, the, the wild card is you have no idea because it's going to be, they're just going to clean house, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fox is going to be out. Log- Logins, the offensive coordinator, is certainly going to be out. Um, the guy should never should have gotten that job in the first place. If you look at his his NFL Kenny Logins opinion, what's that? Kenny Loggins? No, no da- was he wrote he wrote Danger Zone. <laughs> he could be the offensive coordinator. Man, team I wish I wish it was him as offensive coordinator. Could you imagine how many more players would sign there? To- <laughs> Or at least no, fake. I don't think, anyway. You think you think today's NFL football players know who, who Kenny Loggins is? <laughs> no, I forget how old I am, and I'm only th- I'm only 31. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 too. It's old. weird to me think like, oh, this this guy's so old, and he's like 27. Like, um, man, no, it's uh, D- Dale. You know, D- Dale uh, Dale Loggins. You know, the the Bears offensive. Uh, Dale Dow- Danger Zone Dale. Loggins. I always say Dale. It's Dowell 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 Loggins. Um, if you if you get a chance, listeners, look at his um his resume, and I I really wonder. I just don't. It boggles my mind how the guy got. You know, first of all, you can just see it every week. I'm just gonna. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going digressing on Bears football. My frustration with them, but but the point is, <laughs> there is going to be a regime change in Chicago, and it just depends. It's like it's like the Los Angeles Rams situation, right? Um, you know, they they got McVeigh in there, and all of a sudden, it's just it's turned the fortunes of that team around. That could happen in Chicago, in theory. Um, not that I would bank on it and sell all my assets for Chicago Bears players this year, but it's possible. That's and that's what you're. That, to your point, that's a great thing about the NFL. Who's going to be the surprise team or the surprise teams next year? Who's going to be the next uh, backup quarterback that becomes a starter for a team like the Vikings and and suddenly looks like, oh, this guy might have a future. 
I am. What's that? Colton Coy's going to come back out again? Swing the revolvers around, Texas style? Colt McCoy, I would love to see him as the starter in Washington and just like blow up. Maybe maybe he'll become the starter and they'll have this really proficient offense. I saw a mock draft that had Barkley going to the Washington Redskins. What do you think of that? There's another lesson learned. Don't read mock drafts. <laughs> I read so many last year, like so many. I think my brain potentially like was like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen in the draft. And the only thing that was kind of predictable was that the Jaguars were going to take Fournette. Outside that of that, that, it was that out. was the one thing they got right. But the problem is, well, that's so much fun because there's like so little going on, and you're like getting hyped up about the draft, and you kind of want to see where these guys are going to go. So how can you avoid it? I mean, I say the same thing. I'm like, I hate these mock drafts. They're so lame. But I, I'll end up reading like every one of them I can get my hands on because I just I can't help myself. It's yeah, just- I mean I'm sure I think I think I'm just gonna read them, but not get as excited as I did last year. As I think with the mean, and I love to get pumped up about these things too. But it's like uh, I don't want to get myself excited for disappointment. Yeah, and the and then one thing that was disappointing was like, oh, Mike Williams, John Ross, top ten picks. They didn't do stuff their their rookie year, and basically, I mean one. Uh, What's his face on the Bengals is probably going to be not on that team anymore. He's going to be fired as the head coach, roughly so. Uh, and then Mike Williams, I assume, I think, uh, like Ty- Tyrell Williams, I think he's going to be gone. I think I think he might be ready for a contract upgrade or maybe something can happen. But I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, the mock drafts didn't predict any of that. It really makes you wonder what's happening. Like, like Cincinnati is one of those teams now. Where I'm starting to question: Do I want to draft any players? <laughs> that, that end up that Cincinnati ends up drafting. Is that going to be the Varian's team this year, though? Are they going to get a new head coach and just like crush it with their offensive weapons? Well, they're talking about keeping. You know, the reports are Marvin Lewis will join their front office. I mean, how much are things going to change there? Because don't they do? I think I've read where they do things differently in terms of scouting and the other teams in the NFL. So it does make me worry a little bit about John Ross that he was drafted by that team in particular because I don't know. Like I don't understand why you draft a guy that highly, and maybe it was due to injuries. Right? You just don't use him, you know? I mean, I guess it was because he was injured all year. Boggles my mind. Yeah, and then they throw Jeremy Hill under the bus. Like, oh, I can't believe he had surgery on his ankle to ruin his season. And Jeremy was like, what, the, what am I playing for? Like, my rookie contract, uh, I, you're not even using me. And I'm going to go sit there and sacrifice my body for the team when I use the surgery and then rehab the rest of the year and potentially sign a different contract next year. That's going to be better for me. He's got one of those interesting guys to watch. I mean, he could be like – you know, like Latavius Murray, you know, it was this year. Like he could sign and he like he's the backup some someplace and then the starter gets hurt and he, he emerges and he is this, you know, fantasy relevant again. I could totally see that with Jeremy Hill. It's possible. Yeah, and I think everybody hates Jeremy Hill because they draft him as a first rounder or like they spent too much on an auction draft for him. But he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't like, he didn't kill you if you didn't draft him that early. Like, well, and this year, look at, I mean, look at, um, you know, the, the great Joe Mixon. I mean, with that offensive line in Cincinnati, no one was doing anything this year. Well, other than when Gio got his opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> when nobody cared about the scores anymore, Gio crushed it. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. Well, anything, anything else before we, we close the segment and really get on out of here because we're not doing hot, bold, spicy takes. Um, I am uh, in the clubhouse as, as the champion for the regular season. And we'll we'll probably fire some up for the postseason, but um, that wasn't in the show notes that you were going to close. No, like it that. wasn't. But it, it, it ruined my name. Yeah. So I guess that means that I'm the king of the fantasy Joes because I won. <laughs> so, Sorry, Trey. So, Can't defend himself. He's not here. 
it's the best time to take it to, to get after him. <laughs> no, I think that's the closing notes for tonight. I mean, I think that's some good things to, to remember and think about for next year. And, and in general, you know, we'll start going to the player analysis and doing doing the best we can to talk about what's going on. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for the the way the podcast is going to go and moving forward, uh, getting the website rolling. You know, getting getting more interaction. My big thing is uh, that I've also realized this year is that I'm going to need to get on Twitter at some point. You think? I can't stop being this 31-year-old, 65-year-old uh, man, and Twitter's probably going to have to happen. I'm the grandpa of the, of the show, and, and I'm much more active on Twitter than you are. I know. That's why I had to get rid of a couple of leagues, too, though, because it just takes so much time. <laughs> man, those Twitter people get so angry about things. I feel like people just get angry on Twitter. But you don't have to. And I do wonder about the people that are on there, you know, like I'll kind of glance at, you know, if I'm taking a break at work, having lunch or something, I'll glance at Twitter. But yeah, I don't know. There are some people that seem to be on it all day and I have no idea how they do that or, or what they're, what they do for a living or whatever. Um, I know some of them are like, you know, the, you know, there, there are people that are actually like, you know, paid to, to write about fantasy football and those people make sense they're on Twitter all day, but there's some other people that just, uh, I know they've got day jobs and, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I'm jealous, I guess, but I, I can't can't do that. I got I got work to do during the day. So. If you tweet too much and have a day job, Ryan's coming after you. That's what's happening. <laughs> He's gonna um, find you. You talk to your superior. Get you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna report you to your your boss. Yeah, that's what I want to do is get people fired from. That's what Twitter's office. for. I'm just that kind of guy. Twitter's um, for blind angst. <laughs> but uh, but what, other thing we want to say is yeah we, we've got all kinds of exciting things for the off season. Um, and, and there's no off season in dynasty football. So we're going to keep going um, at least to show every other week, if not every week um, we are going to have on several guests in the off season. We, we're going to do a survey soon. We want to get your feedback. Uh, you, please let us know. We talk about at the end of every show. We want to hear what you think of the show, good or bad. So if there's something you don't like um, about the show. Um, you know, one of the reasons Trey's not with us tonight to, and, and full disclosure, someone said, Hey, we don't know about that co-host Trey. So we're, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> totally joking. I'm totally joking. Um, but seriously, don't, I don't want to hear anybody nickname or heard that rhymes with Shmay Shmerhead. <laughs> no, no. If, if you don't like the, the co-host, I, I, I can't, we can't really help you with that, but if you can take that opinion and throw it in the trash, you can, yeah. But, but if, if you, you want us to talk about things we're not talking about, or, you know, we've talked about the length of shows. We've had some real lengthy shows, um, and if that's just too much for you, if you're like, I'm not going to download your show if it's an hour and 40 minutes, then let us know. So, so please do let us know. And yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great off season. Um, we're, we're developing a, an ebook that you can get for free. Um, you know, we just want you to write a review for the show or give us your email address, but all those details are coming and much more. Um, so I guess we'll, I'll kind of do a casual close. Will for the, you know, I usually read it with enthusiasm, the close for the show. Um, but before I do our, our out, typical outro, do you want to say anything to the listeners? Any, any, any closing thoughts? Any words of wisdom going into no. the offseason we haven't mentioned? Nah, just no. relax. Take a day <laughs> off. Netflix and chill for a couple of weeks. All yeah, right. come back. Come back to us with some fire in your ass. <laughs> Get more excited. All right. Yeah, so um, you know, and, and hopefully enjoy your championship. If not, don't fret it's going to be okay. We're going to help you out this, this offseason. Get you ready for multiple championships in 2018. This has been another episode of the Fantasy Joes. Really, reach out to us. We're thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at FFJoes on Twitter. Tell us what you think of us. We usually come at you weekly in the offseason, at least every other week with new episodes by Friday. 
And be sure to subscribe to us because you'll never miss an episode. It helps us out a lot. And leave us a review. But as always, only if it's a positive one. We're all on Twitter. Uh, Will is sort of on Twitter anyway, uh, even though he doesn't, he's not active. But if you, if you send him a direct message, Will, you will respond, right? Do I get emailed about that? <laughs> it depends on how you guess. So, yes, so I will you, respond you can in try, time. You can try to contact Will on Twitter. He's at FantasyJo underscore Will. I'm at Rota Librarian, and, and Trey is at Trey Barrett. On so, behalf of... Wait, but li- li- live opinion. Do you think I should switch it to my old Twitter handle that was at Greenwood Life and just go with that? Or do you think I should stay with Fancy Joe Will? Maybe they should tweet at FF Joe's and, and let us know what, what they think. Because <laughs> I have no idea. What do you, what do you want to do? I don't know. I was just thinking about the other day. I was like, I'm the only one that has a Fancy Joe Twitter handle. <laughs> I kind of feel well, like left out that I'm a cool one. On the next episode, we'll discuss... Will's Will breaks down over Twitter handle. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, this has been another episode of The Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes is Trey. My voice hurts. Yeah, Fantasy Joes. I can't. I, I'm not even going to try to do Trey. And... <laughs> Fantasy Joes is no crime. Fantasy Joes is. Listen, Joes of Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs>